Here's a question about remarriage in Mark 10, 11. And we're going to get to this. We're in Mark 8 when I get back. From, I'll be in Costa Rica this Lord's Day, so pray for me as I travel Saturday to Costa Rica. I'm preaching there, and I'm doing a conference at a seminary. I sh I'm due back on Thursday, so I appreciate your prayers. And then we have the missions conference, so it'll be two weeks till I preach Mark. So we're in chapter 8. We'll get here before too long. And here's the question. Is remarriage appropriate in light of Mark 10, verse 11? where Jesus says whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, I have to say, of, of the sayings of Jesus about marriage and divorce and remarriage in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, this one sounds the most severe, but it's mainly because of the brevity of it. Uh, and here's where we have the principle that we interpret Scripture by reference to Scripture. If Jesus says it's a little bit more elaborate in one place, and he says something, that's not in contradiction with what he says there. And particularly in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, where the same episode is recorded, Jesus establishes adultery as a biblical ground for divorce. He says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Now, the word for sexual immorality is porneia. It is true that, that is a, a, the word itself is a general sexual indecency, but I do think we rightly take that as referring to the violating of the marriage covenant via adultery. Uh, there's other things that we do that might be adulterous in principle. I certainly hope our husbands aren't ogling other women, but that's not grounds for divorce if you catch your husband doing that. It is Grounds for the doghouse, but not for divorce. <laughs> or your wife doing that too. I don't want to. But um, it's adultery. Now, I've heard people say before that there's no exceptions. God hates divorce. Divorce is never permissible. There's no exceptions. Let me give you a hermeneutical rule. When the Lord Jesus uses the word except, that what's about to happen is going to be an exception. And when Jesus says, except in the case of adultery, that means while the rule is very clear, God hates divorce, as he quotes from Malachi. And Jesus says, it was not, you know, this is not what God designed uh, when he says, and they shall be one flesh in Genesis 2. That was not with divorce in mind. But where there's been adultery, there, uh, that is grounds for divorce. It doesn't require divorce. But and the, and, and the key thing is that the victim, the innocent party in the divorce, has the right of remarriage. That's what's going on there. And you get this language uh, in, in other places where it says, in that case, the innocent party is not bound. That's technical, that's, that's biblical times legal language saying they have the right of remarriage. So we have had some members of our church, not a lot, but we've had some go through divorce. It's always very painful, very lamentable. And when the Christian, when the, when the, when the Christian is the victim of adultery, they have the right of remarriage. Now, in 1 Corinthians 7.15, the Apostle Paul says, if the unbelieving, he's talking about marriage and divorce. If the unbelief, and his argument is don't divorce. And I, I, mean, I want to say right now, our wedding vow should weigh more heavily upon us than our generation takes it. Even as Christians, we should loathe to divorce. Now, I, I, I know there's people who are divorced. I'm, not, I'm just saying our generation, even in the church, 
we, we create rationale for divorce in ways that I, I think exceed the Bible. But here's what the Bible says about that. If the unbelieving partner separates, be it, let it be so, in such cases the brother or sister, the ESV says, is not enslaved. I, I think the NIV is better here. Is not bound. The Greek word is luo. It means they have the right of remarriage. Now, what's Paul saying? Paul is in a different situation than Jesus was when he answered that question because Paul is, is in the Gentile church. And the biggest problem they had was, well, it was not a problem. They had Gentile women converting to Christ and they were married. And in many cases, their husband kicked them out. And so that's kind of the main situation in which Paul handles this. Now, in various other times, the English church had this in a big way because your, your husband would go to the Navy and you, you never see him again. Uh, uh, the American Navy is not as brutal as the 1805 British Navy. There was a big, church, big problem in, say, the Puritan churches. Uh, the press gangs took my husband, and I haven't seen him. How long has it been? Seven years. Oh, whoa. I mean, you know. So where the unbelieving uh, uh, person is... Uh, is, is not willing to live with you and sues for divorce, then in that case, you, you are not at fault for the divorce. That is the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Now, it is true today that that principle in our churches is applied to severe forms of marital abuse. I have to say I, I've learned not to really like the word abuse because what does it actually mean? Uh, and and uh, we've had some lawyers in the church who've told me that every time there's a divorce in, in, in courts today, there's an allegation of abuse. So what does the word mean? It needs to be, but it needs to be pretty severe. In fact, I would argue when Paul says, um, if the unbelieving person partner separates, that's an unbeliever. If the church is going to grant the right to divorce on the on the separation, on the abandonment by abuse, there needs to have been an excommunication. Now, I'm speaking in principle. The, the reality is the session deals with case by case, and it's amazing how much variety there is. But we are not, we do not eagerly grant divorce, of course, the right, which is really the right to remarry. Now, we've had some people who have been in every one of these categories, and it's a blessing to them that the church responding to the scripture. I remember one man in the church, and I wrote him a letter on behalf of the session for his father-in-law, who was very concerned, and said this man's wife abandoned him without biblical cause. She and the person I'm talking about was excommunicated by our church for having done so, and biblically we believe he has the right of remarriage. And, and I, the father-in-law really appreciated that the church made that statement. So while the language of Mark 10, 11 is very sparse, so I'm going to go back to that. Jesus says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, when he says in the other passages that there are these exceptions, then that person is not held at fault, and there is not a biblical stigma on the victim of adultery or abandonment. I do think... The case for the Christian who commits the adultery or who, or who, who abandons the partner, the, their case for, for remarriage, I'm not so sanguine about. 
Uh, there are, I think there's cases where we have to say, well, I mean, the Bible does not really... So I don't, the thing is that the, me, me, I, and the elders, we don't make the rules. Jesus makes the rules. The Word of God makes the rules. And I do think that there are cases where the circumstances by which one broke his or her covenant renders them unable to be remarried uh, under what Jesus says here. So we're to take our marriage vows exceedingly seriously, even when you discover that you're married to a sinner who disappoints you. That's when you learn what love is, right? And uh, I don't mean to trivialize difficulties, but that's what our generation needs. And, and these are the biblical grounds for divorce. The overwhelming teaching is that we're to be faithful to our marriages.